The views expressed on this program are not necessarily the views of Lexington Community Radio or its board of directors. The views expressed are solely those of the programmers. You are listening to Off the Cuff. Now, here's your host, Adam Banks. Welcome, everybody, to Off the Cuff. I am Adam Banks coming at you live from Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you for listening to the show, and thank you for tuning in to WLXU 93.9 FM. In addition to listening on the radio, you can check out our Facebook live stream at Off the Cuff with Adam Banks, or you can stream the show live from the station website at radiolex.us. I am broadcasting from the Deborah Hensley Studios here at Radio Lex on North Limestone. It is August the 3rd, 2023. Four o'clock, we are live. And when I say the words August 3rd out loud, it really just brings me a little down because that means school is almost back in session. No, I'm kidding. I actually look forward to going back and getting back to work and staying more busy because you can only mess around so much in the summertime when you have the complete summer off. So I'm actually ready for things to get a little bit busier in my life. I don't know where to start on today's show. There's so much to talk about. Uh, Maybe we should start the show talking about Pee Wee Herman's death, because that surely came as a surprise to me. I know it had to you as well. Uh, If you don't know who Pee Wee Herman is, he was the child actor. He wasn't a child actor. He was a star for children, and he was an actor for children. He hosted his own children TV show, Pee-wee's World, or Pee-wee's Playhouse. His real name was Paul Rubin, and he was mainly known in the 1980s. He actually became a pop culture phenomenon in the 80s. He had an HBO special, which spun off into his own TV show, which was Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and then that spawned three movies, ultimately. Uh, Pee-wee's, let's see, what was it called? Big Top Pee-wee, Pee-wee's Playhouse, or Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and then there was one back in 2016, directed by Netflix, and uh, yeah, Pee-wee Herman, though, dead at the age of 70, and when I read that, I was just like, how sad is that? Now, I was never a Pee-wee Herman fan, mainly because I didn't grow up with him. He was more of an 80s, he was more of an 80s, early 90s uh, star for children, and I just kind of missed that when it was really showing Pee-wee Herman's show. But nonetheless, he has ingrained himself in the pop culture and passed away. So uh, God bless Pee-wee Herman and his family, and hopefully they get through this tiring, uh, trying time. It's always difficult when somebody passes away, regardless of who it is. But Pee Wee Herman, he was not what most people thought. He was totally different off camera, as most people are. He was arrested in the early 90s due to indecent exposure of himself uh, in a adult theater. So... It's just kind of ironic. He gets arrested for something like that, being a actor for children. But hey, you would be shocked if you knew everything people did behind closed doors. So it should be no shock to you that something like that happened. 
because you never know what people are like behind closed doors. But anyway, I just wanted to start the show off talking about that because when I read that, I was like, man, that is that is something else. Pee Wee Herman, a pop culture phenomenon, has passed away. But last week on the show, I started off talking about the bizarre things that non-Americans find bizarre about this country when they visit it over the summer because we are slap dab in the summertime. People are visiting the country uh, from outside of here. And I went over a whole list of things that non-Americans found bizarre when they visited the United States. So since just it still is summer and people still are traveling, going on vacation. You might be taking a vacation as an American outside of this country and you will be going over to somebody else's territory, somebody else's land, somebody else's culture. So this week, let's start the show off talking about the complete opposite of what we talked about last week, which is cultural and behavioral norms in other countries that Americans find bizarre. For instance, in Russia, if you visit Russia, keep in mind that no smiling, no small talk, and no contact with strangers you should be having unless absolutely necessary. It's considered almost rude to go up and have small talk or or even look at stranger a stranger in their direction if you don't know them. In Italy, blowing your nose in public is normal. Sniffling, on the other hand, is considered quite rude. And if you do it, someone will offer you a tissue nine times out of ten. So they don't like you to be sniffing in Italy. They want you to go ahead and get that out of there. Blow your nose is what they're saying. In Australia, the conversation of death is rather taboo. There's a difference in the tone of conversation when talking about death over there versus how it is in this country. We talk about death all the time in this country, but that's a no-no in Australia. So as an American, you might find that a little bit bizarre. In Norway, if you're visiting Norway, Norway doesn't use a lot of polite phrases just for the sake of being polite. So when people ask, how are you, it's interpreted as a genuine question rather than polite small talk or a greeting. For instance, a person asks how a person was doing and they reply, not great. I have type 2 diabetes. So they actually tell you. They go into detail about how they're doing. Uh, Let's see here. In Japan, it says tips are not encouraged. It's not uncommon for a waitress to chase you down the street to return a tip if you leave one. I wish that culture would be carried over to America. Uh, Let's see. Most countries, this is most countries, referring to your friends as the C word. Now, you as an American know what the C word is. There's no point in me saying that over the radio. I don't think I can actually say that over the radio. But referring to your friends as the C word in other countries, Uh, mostly in Australia, Uh, they don't find that rude like we do here in America. They actually find that an endearing term uh, when they are describing their friends. So if you hear people from Australia call you the C word, just don't get offended because that's quite normal over there. In China, uh, shouting in a restaurant to get a uh, a server's attention is completely normal. As in America, it would be considered rude. In Mexico, Mexicans are fond of dark humor and are known historically as the people who laugh at death. So I think some people might do that over in America. I think that's more individual. In Spain, straight up shouting to someone across the street plaza is considered rude elsewhere, but not in Spain. 
yelling at people across the street is pretty is pretty common. Uh, let's see, there are so many here that uh, I've read. It says, um, let's see, in Japan, convenience stores like 7-Eleven and Lawson sell gourmet meals. I, f- I found that to be bizarre. In Germany, it's tradition to throw porcelain uh, pots and other fragile things in front of the bride's house a day or two before the wedding. In China, it's considered weird and offensive to use formal or polite language around the people you are closest to. For an example, it would be very strange to say the equivalent of thank you to a family member who passed you a dish at a, at a meal. Because it says that you show your intimacy with others by using brief informal speech. So when you are more formal with them, it's kind of an insult because you're saying, uh, you're not really that close to me, I guess, if you're talking that formal. So over there, they don't like you to be very formal if they're really good friends with you. Shoes are very optional in New Zealand in casual settings. You generally don't wear shoes inside of a house. Uh, So even teachers, when they're teaching school over there, take off their shoes at work. So do the students. Could you imagine going into your high school and everybody not having shoes on? Well, it's like that over there in the Netherlands. People from South Africa call their traffic lights robots. It can be confusing for foreigners (laughs) if they come over here and we say traffic stop. They call them robots. And we call robots, obviously, something different, more of an AI machine is what we call robots, but I found that wild. In Venezuela, the birthday kid will scream when when we... It says, in Venezuela, the birthday kid will scream when they have their cake. It's expected to be a blood-curdling scream, and people laugh at the ridicule if it isn't loud or scary enough. <laughs> Something, isn't it? Yes, all of these sound bizarre, but like we talked about last week... It just because it sounds bizarre to us, don't make it actually weird. That's just their culture over there, and everybody has a, a different culture. Now let's see if I have any more here. It says in the Netherlands, people celebrate birthdays while sitting in a big circle in the living room, eating small blocks of cheese, little sausages, and pickles. Then they all go home on their bicycles. That's what it says. In India, arranged marriage is still the norm. That just still blows my mind that there are arranged marriages. Could you imagine if we had that kind of culture here in America where people told you who you were going to marry? It would change Americans' outlook on marriage a lot because a lot of people in this country, they look at people who aren't married at a certain age as abnormal almost. But in India, everybody's going to be ultimately married because if you're not, they're going to arrange you a marriage. So who's really the abnormal ones? The people that make you get married to somebody you might not even know or somebody in America who chooses not to get married? I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Anyway, kids reciting the Pledge of Allegiance in school in America is totally normal. But people outside of the U.S. think that kids chanting the same words every day is really bizarre. You know what? I just call that patriotism. But that, folks, is some... Cultural and behavioral norms in other countries that Americans may find bizarre. And I found that list, and it was just very interesting to read because of how different things are 
in different cultures. But folks, we do have a great show ahead of you today, so stick with us. You are listening to Off the Cuff with Adam Banks, and we will be back after these words. Because you know I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, no trouble. I'm all about that bass, about that bass, 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 bass. Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. We've had a whole segment on this show before talking about the operator. I'm sure the avid listeners of Off the Cuff remember that segment. And in that segment, I talked about just my fascination with the operator, hearing her voice through all of those years and not being able to see her face. So, thanks to the internet nowadays, you can look up what the operator looked like. So, we had a whole segment on that. I actually pulled up an interview with the actual operator, Jane Barbie, and I played a clip of that to the audience. But, there are a lot of people besides the operator that you know their voice, but you don't know their face. They're the voices you immediately link with a particular ad campaign or a commercial without ever knowing the name of the person saying it or the face of the person saying it. There are numerous celebrity actors out there, celebrity voice actors for you that you probably know, like uh, Seth MacFarlane, Mel Blanc. He did all the Looney Tunes. But there are certain celebrity voice actors that I know you've heard their voice, but I can almost guarantee a lot of you guys have never heard them in a casual interview or anything about them other than their voice. So it made me start thinking of all of these people that are out there that have made a living all off of their voice. And it's amazing to know, after looking at my research, that all of these people are some of the most heard people in the world. And people don't know what they look like or what they sound like outside of a studio. So I have compiled a list here of all of the unknown people behind the most well-known famous voices. So, we will start here on the list talking about a man named Don LaFontaine. Now, you probably don't recognize that name, nor would you even know his face, but I guarantee you, you have heard his voice. He is known as the king of voiceovers. Don LaFontaine is the iconic voice that can be heard in thousands and thousands of movie trailers. That's right, the movie trailer guy. The guy who narrates the movie trailers. Now, back in the 90s and back in the early 2000s, Don LaFontaine was in almost every movie trailer that existed. Nowadays, you don't hear it so much because they don't really have a narrator narrating the trailer of a movie. They just kind of show you. They just kind of show you the trailer and they show you clips and little bits and pieces of the movie, but they don't have somebody doing the voiceover as a narration in the trailer. But back in the day, Don LaFontaine did all of your favorite movie trailers. Let's take a listen to some of his previous work. 
this. Terminator 2, Judgment Day. This time, he's back for good. Or this. A family comedy without the family. Home Alone. How about this? He's still the same old dad, Mrs. Doubtfire. Interesting. Those are just a few movies, just naming a few. Here's another one, Space Jam. Do you guys remember Space Jam? Listen at this trailer. The world's greatest athlete, Michael Jordan, teams up with the world's best-loved cartoon character, Bugs Bunny. You won't believe your eyes. Pardon me, Mr. Jordan. Can I have your auto... auto, uh, Your John Hancock... What's going on here? We need your help! You heard of the dream team? Well, we're the mean team. Ready? Yeah! Done. Yeah. You kick it in here. You go to the hole and dominate. We own defense. Oh, yeah. Whoa. I don't play defense. Warner Brothers presents... Jordan. There you go, folks. Don LaFontaine, the man behind the many, many different voices. He unfortunately passed away. That is one of the biggest reasons why you don't hear a voice in movie trailers. But those movies, and there's countless others of ones that I didn't name, pretty much name your movie in 1990, and Don LaFontaine is going to be the man voicing all of those narrations behind your favorite movie trailers. So he had to be number one on my list as one of those unknown names behind one of the most well-known famous voices of all time. Okay, next on my list, folks, is a man named Joe Caprano. Now, again, you probably have never heard his name, but this guy is the voiceover actor who works for TV stations narrating TV show commercials. Take a listen. Make a resolution to watch TV's number one comedy. What's going on out here? Two and a half men. New episode of the year. This might have been the worst date of my life. Did she talk you into putting on one of mom's dresses while she stole your wallet? No. Well, then this wasn't even your worst date this month. Tonight at 9, 8 central, only CBS. So this guy gained popularity as the voice behind numerous award shows, too. He worked for Fox. He worked for NBC. And he did several of your favorite sitcom commercial spots. So absolutely recognize Joseph. So absolutely amazing. And uh, let's take a listen to a little interview of Joe Semper Carano. More of a, a a natural voice, how which did, kind of fits in. Joe, how did you make the leap though from being a disc jockey to? Yeah, I, I was. Uh, I become aware of these big voices, the voices of ABC and CBS and all the different networks, and I said, you know, I want to, I want to be involved with something like that. And I was just on the air uh, in Los Angeles, uh, filling in for a guy on the radio, doing a top forty radio show, and the head of uh, marketing of a television network was stuck in traffic and heard me on the air, and he said. Now, that's a voice I think could work and called me in. And shows like Everybody Loves Raymond on CBS, you know, changed my life. So you never know who's listening. That's what people always tell me on the radio. They are always like, Adam, you're in a room by yourself, but you never know who's listening. And, and really, you don't. When you're on the radio, hi, everybody out there listening, you don't know who it is. And it could be anybody. It could be even 
the person about to give you your next break. And because that's how Joe was discovered. He was doing a radio show, and then because of that, he became the voice behind all of these TV stations, these award shows, these TV sitcom commercials. All right, next on my list is Susan Bennett. She is another unknown face behind a well-known voice. Susan Bennett is the voice of Surrey. That is correct. Surrey is not a robot. Surrey is actually a real person. Take a listen. This happened in 2005 before anyone ever thought of an iPhone. No, I, I take that back. Steve Jobs, I'm sure, had <laughs> right. thought of it. <laughs> um, yes, the re original recordings were done as uh, text-to-speech voices, and it was done in 2005, the whole month of July 2005, four hours a day. Wow. I was speaking all kinds of yeah, what did, what, um, crazy sentences. Yeah, what did you record? How many words or lines oh. do you record? Because I've asked Siri almost everything and gotten a lot of different answers. I know people think that they, you know, they they came up with the with uh, the phrases that mm -hmm. she speaks originally, but originally it was just a bunch of sentences and phrases that were that were created so that. Every single combination of vowels and consonants and syllables can be pieced could together. be spoken. And this is sort of a typical... So interesting, isn't it, to know that Siri is actually a real human being. It is not a robotic voice. So if you think, hey, that sounds like a real woman, it's because she is a real woman. She just went in and practically became the voice of Apple. Interesting to hear. It says here that... Uh, the story goes that uh, she sat down and recorded uh, for about a month recording phrases, sentences, and several different words and different dialects. And they just use all of those recordings and piece together Surrey. So that's how we have Siri from Susan Bennett. She is the voice behind Siri. Okay, next on my list, folks, is Andrew Anthony. And if you ever stumbled upon a video game by Electronic Arts, there's one thing you would notice. As the screen flashes to display the EA logo, a voice in the background goes, EA Sports. It's in the game. This guy, Andrew Anthony, is the guy responsible for that very dialogue that just screams with energetic competitiveness and anger. Let's take a listen to... Andrew Anthony and how he got the job as the EA Sports guy. Hey, I'm Andrew Anthony and I'm the voice of EA Sports. It's in the game. So everybody knows your voice. Yeah. This is this EA Sports. It's in the game. Has been going on for years, for decades. How did you end up with this cool gig? Do you know what? It was um, early 90s. I think it was like 92, 93 maybe. And I had a friend in the advertising business who uh, was working down here and he was approached by the electronic arts people who had probably seven employees at the time. And they said, could you come up with a TV commercial for us? And he, I think his initial response was, uh, no, I don't know who you are. And then when they convinced him, um, he came up with this whole line. Uh, it originally was, if it's in the game, EA Sports, it's in the game. And he called me up in Toronto, his old buddy, and said, hey, will you do the voice for this thing for free? And I said, yeah, of course I will. I don't so there you go. That's how Andrew Anthony became the voice of EA Sports. It's in the game. And how many people 
have heard that growing up. I mean, just hearing that brings back so many memories of me sitting on my bed as a child playing NBA Live 95. Okay, coming up next on my list, folks, as a unknown name that has one of the most famous voices ever heard is Elwood Edwards. And Elwood Edwards is the guy and the voice behind You've Got Mail. Let's take a listen at listening to this gentleman tell his story about how he became the voice behind You've Got Mail. Take a listen. You've got you you've got mail. You've got you you've got mail. Goodbye. To all of you who thought AOL was voiced by a computer. Now let's set the record straight. I recorded those phrases. Welcome. You've got mail. Files done. Goodbye. My name is Elwood Edwards, and I'm the voice of You've Got Mail. In 1989, my wife was a customer service rep for the company that was about to become America Online. She heard Steve Case talking to some of the programmers about how fun it would be to add a voice to the software. I've been an announcer throughout my entire broadcasting career, and she volunteered me I scribbled those phrases on a piece of paper, and like I say, on the cassette deck, I recorded the welcome, you've got mail, files done, goodbye. It started off as a test, just to see if it would catch on. And lo and behold, in the mid-90s, it had really caught on. And at one point, they said my voice was heard more than 35 million times a day. I mean, think about that. But the problem was, I was typecast. The one thing I did do was a voice for The Simpsons. You've got leprosy. Leprosy! But this guy was heard almost 36 million times a day, and nobody knew his face. I mean, I honestly thought it was just a robot, like Siri. But no, it was a real human being. It was a real man behind the voice of You Got Mail. Now, anybody that's under the age of 30 that's listening right now, you have no idea what I'm talking about, so just ignore that. All right, and finally, the last person on my list is one of the most unknown faces in the world that has one of the most famous voices is Pat Fleet. Now, Pat Fleet, not to be confused with Jane Barbie, the operator, but Pat Fleet is the voice actress who is the voice of AT&T. She is the person who, when you call AT&T for a collect call back in the day, you would get her voice. So Jane Barbie, yes, she was the operator, but Pat Fleet was heard almost just as much as Jane Barbie as the voice of AT&T. Let's take a listen at some of Pat Fleet's automated collect calls from AT&T. Take a listen at some samples of her speaking, and this will jog your memory. AT&T. To place a calling card or credit card call, press 1. To place a collect call, press 2. For AT&T customer service, press 3. For international directory assistance, press 4. For rates, terms, and conditions, please enter 5. Please dial the area code and telephone number that you are calling collect. For international calls, please press zero for operator assistance. Gosh, that reminds me of me having to call my dad when I was a kid because we lived in different counties. All of these recordings are just jogging my memory. At the tone, please say your name. 
Please hold for billing acceptance. Hello? You have an AT&T collect call from... Will you accept charges? No. You will not be billed for this collect call. So that's just some recordings just to jog your memory. Yes, that was Pat Flea, a real lady, a non-robot. It was not Jane Barbie who was the operator. It was somebody completely different. Pat Fleet was her name. Now, Pat Flea is still the voice of AT&T. So if you called up AT&T right now, you're still going to get... Pat Fleet. So let's listen to Pat Fleet in an interview. And in this particular interview, she t- tells a hilarious story of her ex-husband. Take a listen. <laughs> well, years ago, my ex-husband gave me a call one day and he said, you have no idea what a bad day I was having. I've got to tell you about it. He had been traveling. And as all travelers know, you get hung up at the airport, you get the hotel reservations lost, and everything that could happen had happened to him. And he finally got into a hotel room, way later than he was supposed to have, sat down on the bed, picked up the phone to dial his wife, and his ex-wife told him that he had messed up and couldn't make the call. (laughs) He says, that's a bad day. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty bad when you are having a bad day, and then your ex-wife is on the phone when you're trying to make a call, telling you, hey, this call can't go through. That's a bad day. Could you imagine if your ex-wife was the operator or the lady behind the AT&T voice? Or if your wife, if your ex-wife was Siri? You would never be able to escape her. So, like, if your wife was a musician, all you got to do is just turn the radio off if you hear her come on or, or turn the music down or leave the room. But if they're known so much as being on as Surrey or the voice of the operator or the voice of AT&T, you cannot escape them. They're always going to be around. But that, folks, was just a few of the most famous voices behind the most unknown faces in the world. I found that interesting, and I wanted to share that with my audience. But, folks, we still have lots more Off the Cuff with Adam Banks coming at you live after these words. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. everybody to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. On the last two previous episodes of Off the Cuff, I've been giving you guys tips on what to do when you attend certain reunions. A couple of weeks ago, I gave you tips on how to survive your high school reunion. Last week on the show, I gave you tips on how to survive your college reunion. Well, this week, let's keep the same theme. Since it is the summer times, there are many different reunions that you may attend. You may attend a college reunion, a high school reunion, or you may attend this summer a family reunion. And sometimes family reunions can be tough, although for the most part, they can be fun. But sometimes it takes a lot out of you to get asked a ton of questions by people you haven't seen in years. So, instead of really giving you tips about how to survive a family reunion, I'm just going to tell you things that 
you need to get prepared for when you attend your family reunion. So I'm going to tell you things that you are in for once you attend, because really, these things are inevitable. It's going to happen. For instance, one thing that you need to be prepared for when attending your family reunion this summer is having a conversation with a lot of people, starting their conversation with, the last time I saw you, and it could be anything, you were this tall, or you were still in diapers, or you had braces and glasses. Pretty much any anything associated with growing up. The bright side is, if you're in doubt on how to start a conversation with a relative you hardly know, that little antidote is a good way to start your conversation. Last time I saw you was this and this, or last time I saw you, you were wearing this. <laughs> You're going to have to get prepared for serious and difficult life questions. So be prepared for that. That's key. You're going to be getting a lot of questions like, what are you doing now for a living? Where did you go to school? What kind of degree do you have? So things that they can hold over your head and judge you for, yes, you're going to get asked those questions. How many kids do you have? Are you married? Why not? Why don't you have any kids? When are you having your next one? You're going to be getting those serious life questions that can be difficult to answer sometimes, but you're going to have to get prepared for it because it's inevitable. It will happen. Get prepared to wear the coordinated family t-shirt, reunion edition, where they're going to require everybody that attends the reunion to wear a certain shirt, maybe Banks Family Reunion 2023 or whatnot. But just be prepared to not go into the reunion very stylish because they're going to want you to wear a certain thing to feel a part of the community, feel a part of the family community. Uh, be prepared to sit through someone trying to explain how they are related to you. Oh, I'm related to you because you're Jesse's second cousin's brother's aunt's uncle, ain't she? So let's just all refer to ourselves as cousins and call it a day. That's what I would say. But nonetheless, you are going to have to get prepared. You're going to have to get prepared for people telling you how they are related to you, even though it's the long way around. It can be a long explanation. Get ready for the retelling of many awkward and embarrassing stories. Get ready for get ready to be called by the wrong name at your family reunion. You're probably going to be mistaken for another cousin of yours. Be prepared for pinched cheeks. Many, many pinched cheeks from older relatives. So nobody is exempt from getting their uh, cheek pinched by an old relative because guess what? Usually the woman or man pinching your cheeks is a lot older than everybody else there and they are the oldest person there and that's just the way they do things. They like to pinch cheeks. I wouldn't know what to do if somebody at this point came up to me and pinched my cheeks. That I don't know how I would react to that. Uh, there's going to be so much though that you're going to have to prepare for like uh, the shock and awe over a family member's transformation. I'm talking about years that have gone by. People are not going to look the same. They're not going to look like they used to look five, ten years ago. There's going to be more gray hair. There's going to be more wrinkles. There's this thing called puberty that happens to kids. They don't look 
the same after they hit puberty. I sometimes can't believe what my brother looks like, my little brother, what he used to look like when he was a kid versus what he looks like now. But guess what that's called? That's called puberty. People change after they hit puberty. So you're going to see a bunch of people at your family reunion that looks different because of puberty. And finally, uh, the tranquil sounds of the family picture is something that you're going to have to get used to. And what I mean by that, now that's the fun thing, because you're going to take many pictures, but there's always some goofball in the family that always likes to say something to make you laugh at the most inappropriate time of the picture. You're going to be hearing some family jokes being said during the picture. You're going to be hearing certain screams and yelps and, and squeals during the photo. So be prepared for that. Be prepared to be tapped on the shoulder when you're taking the picture and you look over and then flash the picture's taken or get ready to be tickled during the picture or get ready or get ready to be poked during the picture anything they can do to mess the picture up or to make it goofy they're going to do but hey that can that can be fun but those are some things that you need to get prepared for if you attend your family reunion go in um, expecting all of these things to happen most likely than not. And what's going to be funny is when they are happening, you're going to say, hmm, Adam said they would. Adam was right. Well, that's what I'm trying to do is just to prepare you. But folks, let's take Off the Cuff's Song of the Week break with a little Tussie favorite song. We'll be back after the song. Let's get to Off the Cuff's Quote of the Week. And this week's Quote of the Week comes from Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher was a British stateswoman and conservative politician who served as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom from 1979 to 1990 and leader of the Conservative Party from 1975 to 1990. She was the first female British Prime Minister and the longest serving of the 20th century. And this week's Off the Cuffs Quote of the Week comes from Miss Margaret Thatcher. And the quote of the week is this. If my critics saw me walking on water, they would say it's because I couldn't swim. If my critics saw me walking on water, they would say it's because I couldn't swim. I love that quote because no matter what you do, your critics are always going to be against you. Remember, they're your critics. They're going to be the ones to beat you down, tear you down any chance they get, regardless of what you do. At the end of the day, this quote, all it is telling you is there is nothing you can do to please people. There's nothing. No matter how good you are at it, no matter how well you perform at something, your critics are always going to say, not good enough. It's because they didn't do this. It's because they don't have that. It's because they don't know how to do this or don't know how to do that. So even if you walk on water, they're going to say, well, they're walking on water because they don't know how to swim. So I love that quote. If my critics saw me walking on water, they would say it's because I couldn't swim. All right, folks, we got one more segment to go. Stick with us. We will be right back. Havana, 
Welcome back, everybody, to Off the Cuff. Adam Banks here with you. Last segment of the hour. This song is by Camila Cabello. It's her hit single, Havana. This song was the biggest song worldwide in 2018. It sold over 19 million copies. And this song was released on this day in 2017, August the 3rd. A lot has happened on this day, August the 3rd. And it made me look into on this day in history, which is everybody's favorite reoccurring segment that we have on the show, a very popular segment. A lot has happened on this day in history, August the 3rd, in addition to this song coming out. On this day, August the 3rd, 1949, the Basketball Association of America, BAA, and National Basketball League, NBL, merged to form the National Basketball Association, known as the NBA, and Marcy Poldoff was elected head of a new league. So the NBA was created on this day in 1949. On this day, August 3rd in 1967, 45,000 U.S. soldiers were sent to Vietnam. That's a lot. 45,000 people went off to fight in Vietnam. And think about how many people were killed over there. How many men and women lost their lives due to that war. 45,000 people in one day, on this day, in 1967. On this day in 1967, James Law rides the entire New York City subway in 22 hours and 12 minutes. That's how long it would take to ride the entire New York subway. Not quite a day, but almost a full day to get through the entire New York City subway system. On this day in 1981, 13,000 air traffic controllers began their strike. U.S. President Ronald Reagan offers an ultimatum to the workers. If they do not report to work within 48 hours, they have forfeited their jobs and will be terminated. Well, guess what happened? They went back to their jobs. So if you do want to end a strike, all you got to do is pretty much say, hey, Within 48 hours, you come back or you're terminated. Now, I'm sure there's more things that go in to that, depending on the company and depending on how crucial it is. And an air traffic controller is pretty crucial. You really can't have airplanes in the sky without somebody directing them from the ground. And all those air traffic controllers went on strike. So it was impossible to get planes up in the air. Well, Ronald Reagan put a stop to it and gave him an ultimatum. Come back within 48 hours or you don't have a job regardless. On this day in 1988, David Skip Torch, who was 37, swims 152.9 miles of Hudson River from Albany to New York City. Can you believe that? He swam 152.9 miles. Now, how many of you guys would run that? How many of you guys would walk that? I know people that wouldn't drive that. And this guy, David Skip Torch, swam 152.9 miles of Hudson River from Albany to New York City. Now, I doubt that that was 152 miles congruently. 
you know, we had to stop and take a break. There's, it would be literally impossible to swim that with no breaks. So I'm sure he took them. But he ended up completing 152.9 miles from of the Hudson River from Albany to New York City. It's a shame, too, that they marked him down as 152.9 miles. With another point one, he would have been 153 miles even. So it's hilarious how they don't give anybody even an inch. On this day in 1995 in history, CNN Espanol premieres. So we all know CNN. Well, CNN, uh, they launched their Spanish CNN in 1995. On this day in history, in 2004, the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty reopens after being closed since September 11, 2001. So they closed the Statue of Liberty because of the 9-11 attacks. They didn't want nobody going up there and visiting the, you know, the Statue of Liberty for good reason. America was shook after 9-11. That attack really took an effect on the country. People were afraid to do anything. And even visiting the Statue of Liberty was a risk after 9-11. So in 2004, it finally reopened for people to go in and visit. On this day in history, in 2006, Barry Bonds had his 715th MLB home run ball um, go for $220,000 at an auction. It's a little much for a baseball. And then finally, on this day in 2019, suspected domestic terrorist shoots and kills 22 and injures 24 at a Walmart store in El Paso, Texas. It's hard to believe that was four years ago when that shooting at Walmart happened, but it happened on this day in history in 2019. So a lot has happened on this day in history. But folks, that pretty much wraps up today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed. If you liked what you heard today, you will probably like our previous episodes. We have all of our radio broadcasts posted on podcasts. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you stream your podcast. We're there. Just type in Off the Cuff with Adam Banks and you will find us. You can follow the show on social media at off the Cuff with Adam Banks. You can follow me, the host, on social media at The Adam Banks. We release new episodes every Thursday from 4 to 5 right here on WLXU 93.9 FM, which means we will be back same time, same place. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Adam Banks, and this is Off the Cuff. I'll catch you down the road. Yeah.